Good morning. Our second scripture lesson this morning is from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 to 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, who heals. Holy God, who draws us together. Holy God, who invites us in. Holy God, who is all that is, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of your healing. We thank you for your healing when it comes to us in public, when it comes to us at home. We thank you for the, your healing when it comes to us on an individual level and on a societal level. And we thank you for your healing. And may you put into my mouth the words you would have me speak and take from my mouth those you would not. Amen. So as we close out, I think, chapter 1 of Mark here, um, I just want to draw us back to what I kind of visited with last week, but I want to just draw some context here to this story. So we're still on the Sabbath. We're still on the Sabbath, and Jesus is still healing. Last week, we had a story of him in the synagogue healing, a little more public-facing. Now, the Sabbath is not the day for healing. Sabbath is the day for rest. I find it really interesting that the very first thing that Jesus does on the day after the Sabbath is rest. He goes out. And I want to actually start right there because I want to lift up. I want to make sure we get that point at some point in today. But I think the text is going to lead us somewhere else. But I want to be sure we lift up the importance of going away, of prayer, of stillness. That that is where you're nourished. I heard a beautiful quote this week from Mother Teresa that said often when she goes to pray, she just sits and listens. And the question following was, well, what does God say? And she said, God just listens too. And I thought, what a beautiful image. And when I thought about that within the context of this passage, I bet, I was like, I think that's what Jesus was doing. Just sitting and listening enjoying the abundance that comes from knowing that the holy is listening to you as well. That is how he was equipped 
to do all of that healing, to be present in all of those ways, to love as fully as he came into this world to love by giving himself the permission. I don't even know that he, get, he, he didn't ask permission from others. Obviously, they were freaking out looking for him. But he went out and prayed the stillness to be present with the holiness of God. And he was then recharged and could go. And it was going from there. It was going from there. But I want to back up to this healing. I want to come back. What happens to this healing when it is, it is first in the public sphere, in our religious institution in particular, that's where Jesus was first. But then now it's at home. Now it's at home. Now it's here. Now it's personal. It's family. Now we hear about the demons and the spirits and those things that come and interact afterward, but Simon's mother-in-law just has a fever. She's sick. She's ill. There's no talk of demons there, which I think is just sort of interesting. So you've got the different kinds of ways, the different kinds of illness presented here. And really the truth is sometimes we just get sick. That's part of what it is to be here. And I want to think about this moment, this healing that comes here, that comes personal, that comes home today. And not just healing in our bodies, but yes, I mean physical healing, those kinds of healing that happen in terms of like physical ailments, being cured, those sorts of things. But I want to talk about the kind of healing that we don't always know that we need. I feel like so often lately as we have this ongoing crisis, this ongoing crisis happening in Palestine, between Israel and Palestine, as we see this terror continuing day after day, I saw a statistic the other day that said if you were to have a celebration of life for every child whose life has been taken in Palestine in the last 115 days, one celebration a day, it would take over 30 years. Over 30 years. And that's just the children. The fact that we're having a nuanced conversation about whether or not this needs to stop is an indication that we are not well. We can have nuanced conversations about history and about presence and about future, and we can have nuanced conversations about the right ways to intervene, but that's different than a conversation about needing to cease the destruction of life, about needing to stop the indiscriminate killing. So that's there, and that's happening there. And yet the fact that we're having a nuanced conversation or feel the need to have a nuanced conversation about it here indicates a level of our sickness. Can we feel that? We cannot separate ourselves from what is happening anywhere else in this world because we are all part of one thing. We are all part of one thing, one creation. And we can turn our face away from suffering as long as we want to, again and again. But eventually, our neck gets really tired because the suffering begins to come in everywhere. And until we actually give it our attention, until we actually let our hearts be broken with the tragedies that are happening all around, we will not begin to feel the healing that comes to us. I've been having a lot of conversations lately about our need as people to be touched. 
This started in a conversation at every table where Charles, my partner in this ministry that I've started, was talking about touch deprivation, that this is a thing so many people experience. We need at least 12 real hugs a day. Now, I don't care if you're single or married or partnered or you have children, and it's a different dynamic if you're only giving those hugs to your children. I give as many hugs as I can to my child every day, and there's a different kind of energy. We need to be touched. We need to be held. That's across gender identities. That's across ages. We need to know that we are safe that we are held in community, because what happens over time is that we forget that we are connected. Touch enables us to remember the intimate ways in which we are joined. But what happens is that if we don't have that opportunity to engage, right, and even just thinking about, I would say the same thing that happens when you sit down and share a meal with someone, I would be willing to bet you have the same kind of nourishment that comes in that way because you're sharing sustenance in a vulnerable way. We need to know how to be vulnerable with each other. Because what happens is that as we get more and more isolated, we begin to build these silos. We begin to see other people as a threat. We begin to see these challenges to anything we have perceived as unity, which isn't unity, it's isolation, as a threat. So then we begin to avoid one another. We begin to avoid our own suffering, our own pain. I've had moments in my own healing journey when someone literally offering me a helping hand felt like torture. Because at that point where I was in my healing, I didn't know how to accept the gentle grace that was being offered to me. But what happens is that when we get isolated, when we get separated, right? We get deeper and deeper into these trenches, and it gets harder and harder to see the way out. So then we avoid interaction altogether. So maybe someone says or does something that upsets us in a particular way, but we don't know how to engage in conflict, so we don't want to talk to this person. So we're going to talk to this person and this person and this person about this person, when in reality, we need to actually just have a conversation with this person. Maybe somebody says or does something that we don't understand. And rather than going directly to this person to have the conversation, we're going to avoid anything we can. So we're going to build up resentment. We're going to build up frustration. We're going to build up confusion. When in reality, we could have just stepped into a conversation and gained a lot of clarity. We're in the time of such immense transformation in this world that trying to avoid conflict is impossible. But here's the thing, the only way that you get better at dealing with conflict is by dealing with conflict. The only way you get better at having difficult conversations is by having difficult conversations. The only way that we can learn that that person we've decided is so very different from us is actually our neighbor is by engaging with them as though they are our neighbor. And that feels really awkward at first. It feels really scary at first, especially if you've been taught that that person is your enemy. So I'm going to say maybe right now what is the most radical thing I could think to say at this time in the world. 
There is no enemy. There is no enemy. There is no enemy. There is a perceived enemy, which creates a perceived threat, which creates a very real reaction or response too often. There is a neighbor. There is you. Both equally the beloved children of God. That is the surest thing about you, is your belovedness in God. Because God is all that is, and God is love. I'll say it again and again, not in a two-dimensional way, but in a radical transform this world, refuse to take anything less than love and wholeness for everything and everyone kind of love. And that can get really scary if we've been taught that our silos keep us safe. Friends, our silos do not keep us safe. They keep us deceived. They keep us scared. They keep us distrusting. But the only way to break out of those silos is to take a step. To take a step and to trust that as you start to step outside toward them, that the walls will fall down. Because you will see that those walls are not real anyway. Those are our design. God's design is oneness, is wholeness, is an organism which works so perfectly in motion together that one cannot make an action without another experiencing the impact of it. The healing is already here. The grace is already here. The love is already here. It is the surest thing about who we are in all of this creation. Our invitation is to accept it, to let ourselves be loved, to let ourselves love others, to let ourselves have difficult conversations so that we can see the grace that comes through those conversations. Because you know what that grace does? It heals. It heals. It tears down the idea of enemy so that all we see is neighbor. All we see is beloved here and here. And we get to cling to that truth again and again and go to the garden in prayer again and again to be reminded of it. Because as you let those silos fall and you sit in stillness and you start to realize all of those things that were creating a barrier between you and someone else were an illusion, the feeling that comes from that moment is nothing like you will ever experience. Because it is in that moment that you will know that you are truly held. And you will feel the abundance of love that holds you. And you will see the ways in which you are part of all that is. And claim your belovedness. And then create the world where that belovedness can shine. And the funny thing about it is that as we start to shine our light, others around us can't help but do the same. Amen.